0: I'm ready to preach. I don't know if I've ever done a longer announcement section. I'm so ready to open the Word of God because we have been in a sermon series called Fresh Wind all about the Holy Spirit of God. And it is one that I don't think we're ever going to forget. We've talked about the freedom that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about what it means to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And really what we've done is we've opened the Word of God and said, listen, what does God say about the Holy Spirit of God? It doesn't have to be as complicated and mystical as a lot of us assume assume that it is. It's as simple as the life of Jesus filling you up on the inside to renew your mind to who you really are in Christ. And going all the way back to the beginning of this series, I've been believing for a fresh wind to cover the life of our church and breathe into our souls because so many of us are exhausted. So many of us toward this back end of 2020 are like, is this year ever going to end? And I just don't want 2020 to be remembered in the life of our church as the year that everybody went crazy and everything went crazy and got difficult. I want 2020 to be remembered as the year that our identity in Christ was saluted. and we discovered who we really are as sons and daughters and that the resurrection power of Jesus lives on the inside of us and awakens us to a brand new realm of doing life. That's what I want the legacy of this year to be in the life of our church. And I believe every single week, God's been telling that story in a unique way from the beginning of this series to Sadie Robertson Huff being a part of this series to last Sunday when we talked about the fresh fire of God that engulfs our idols and sets us ablaze from the inside out. Last Sunday is one that honestly, I'm still not over. Because I feel like it was more than a worship gathering that we had or a sermon that was preached. It is the cry of our hearts to be people who worship God in spirit and in truth. And so I hope God's been exposing and burning up those idols in your life. And I know he's been doing that in me this week and it hurts. It's not always easy, but worship is worth it. And so this is the grand finale of Fresh Wind. Got one more sermon series. Are you ready for this title? The final sermon in Fresh Wind is titled, Preach the Gospel Again. Preach the Gospel Again. Can you look at somebody next to you and just say, preach it? preach it. Look at somebody next to you. Right now, some of y'all, I was at a watch party last week and, and when I say look at somebody next to you, for some reason when you watch on a screen, you feel like that's more optional because I can't call you out in the moment. I'm calling you out through the screen, those of you who are not looking at the person next to you. Look at them and say, preach it, preach it. Come on. Because I don't know if you know this, I'm not the only preacher at our church. Every single believer who is called on the name of Jesus has been called to preach the gospel message of Jesus. That might freak some of you out. You're like, nope. Uh, You might say that, and there might be some kind of deep hidden meaning behind that, but I'm not called to preach the gospel. I'm called to do this as my vocation. I'm called to do this in my family, but I'm not a preacher. No, actually, you are a preacher. And if you don't preach the gospel to yourself and to other people around you, you will preach something else in your own mind and project something else to the world. So when I say preach the gospel again, what I'm saying is the reason why the Holy Spirit gives life and power on the inside of you is to tell the story of Jesus through you. And for so many of us who have been tracking week after week about the power of the Holy Spirit, we're missing this final ingredient because we've heard all these amazing truths. We've heard some incredible messages and one-liners about, okay, wow, that's from the word of God, about what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amazing, I want that freedom, I want that life. But the last piece I wanna put into place is if you never proclaim the gospel message of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be limited in power in your life because that's the reason he's there. And that's the reason he's empowering you from the inside out for the glory of Jesus. So I need to define the word gospel. Every time I say that word, I feel a need to go back and go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does everybody know what I mean when I say gospel? Because some of you think of a genre of music. Some of you think you know what that means. You're like, yeah, Jesus died to save us from our sins. But we actually did an entire series back in November of last year called Wrecked by Grace where we just clarified, no, 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 when we say gospel, the word gospel means good news, but the gospel actually begins with bad news. And the bad news is that our maker, who is a holy and glorious, set-apart God, has created us in his image for his glory to reflect him in perfect worship. But here's the problem. We sinned and rebelled against God. And that sin doesn't just affect us to make us do bad things every once in a while. That sin infects us with something called death. It's the reason why cancer exists. It's the reason why divorce exists. It's the reason why this planet is lost and broken. And 2020, for so many of us, the polarization of that brokenness has just beamed from the news and on social media and you've gone wow we're so divided wow we are literally killing each other wow people are so angry wow people are dying this planet is broken that's the after effect of sin you're like i thought gospel meant good news the good news happens on point three don't skip point one the glory of god or point two the lostness of man but point three is called the mercy of our savior Jesus has come down from heaven to live a perfect life in our place. Die a sinner's death and be raised from the dead so that what? So that you could be forgiven by your heavenly father so you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are an eternal being who's going to heaven to spend all of eternity living in the life that is truly life and in between now and then you get to live on mission for the glory of God filled from the inside out by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. So when I say preach the gospel again, What I'm literally saying is I believe the Holy Spirit is going to fill you with a fresh wind when that message doesn't become something that you responded to with a prayer and maybe your baptism a long time ago, when that message becomes something that you proclaim to yourself in your own mind and to the world on mission every single day of your life. If you set yourself up to do that, if you preach the gospel again and again and again, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will fill you again and again and again. The problem for so many of us is we've thought of the idea of preaching the gospel as something that somebody else does and proclaims from a stage. Here's the thing. The word gospel in Greek literally has the connotation of heralding or shouting good news. In other words, the gospel is not the gospel if it's not proclaimed. So even when you're talking about the good news of Jesus, it's impossible for you to use that word outside the context of proclamation. The picture that we have in the Bible is like a herald getting out of a carriage and shouting for everyone to hear. I've got good news from the king, from a kingdom. The idea of someone preaching the gospel is there's a kingdom in heaven that has come down to earth and my announcement is this. God has paid the penalty for your sins by putting it on his son. God's not mad at you. God desires a right relationship with you and it's available today. That's what a herald does. But here's the thing, I had uh, had so many elementary schoolers in our church this week who have been watching online, and I've just seen them in passing, and they've been like, you're Pastor Miles, right? I'm like, yeah, they're like, you're loud. I was like, Mason Yates, be quiet. Um, And I'm like hearing this from multiple different children in our children's ministry who are like, you are so loud, and you're so passionate on the stage. Well, one of the reasons why I'm loud is I feel like good news should be shouted. Good news is not something that you, that you put under a lamp and go, no, 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 like let's, let's bring that out every once in a while. People need to know about this, but here's the thing. I believe the gospel can be, be preached to every single story, every situation, and through every single personality. And for so many of you who are wondering, when does the Holy Spirit really start doing supernatural things in and through my life? The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit was originally given to believers for the purpose of preaching the gospel again and again and again. So, the book in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit, those words show up more than any other book in the New Testament is the book of Acts. And that's where we're going to look in our Bibles. Finally, we're going to Pentecost. If you have your Bible, hold it up. Hold it up. Bibles. All over the place, turn with me to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, we're gonna start in verse 14, but I gotta fill you in on the context of Acts two before we go there, okay. So in Acts chapter one, Acts is a continuation of the gospel of Luke. So who wrote Acts? Luke. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts as two different volumes of the same story, And what Luke does is he tells the story of Jesus, and then he tells the story of the early church. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells his followers, he says, you need to wait in Jerusalem because there's going to be power that's going to fill you. And the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do what? It's going to make you my witnesses in Judea. Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the original intention of the power of the Holy Spirit, spill it. (laughs) The original intention of the power of the Holy Spirit filling believers on the inside was so that they would preach the message of Jesus and that people would come to understand the good news from heaven. And that word Jesus uses for power is the word dynamite. Jesus goes, God's got this gift coming your way from heaven and it is like a bomb waiting to go off within you. But what's the purpose of that? Is the purpose of that loud and crazy worship? Is the purpose of that just a bunch of miracles that everybody's amazed by? The main purpose of the Holy Spirit indwelling the life of a believer is to retell the story of Jesus and give glory to Jesus again and again and again. So then in Acts chapter two, the believers are all in this upper room. They're in this one place together, and it says a mighty rushing wind came in the room, a fresh wind, I would say, in my own translation in my head. This wind covers them, and then it says that all of these believers who were in Jerusalem for this festival called Pentecost, they started being filled with what the Bible calls tongues of fire and preaching the gospel of Jesus in languages they couldn't previously speak, and the amazing thing about it is that there's people People out in the street who are hearing their own language telling the story of Jesus, and they're going, how in the world is this happening? Because I came to Jerusalem from really far away, and nobody else here should be able to speak my language. And the believers are preaching the message of Jesus in native tongues so that people would know this is who Jesus is. But it's weird, It's weird when a bunch of people in a room are filled with tongues of fire and start speaking in languages they don't understand. And it's the reason why so many of you in this conversation about the Holy Spirit, you're limited in what you understand about the Spirit's power because you've always had a little check in your spirit and you've gone, well, don't some churches affirm speaking in tongues and don't like weird things happen and like maybe some people like start talking in gibberish and I just feel weird even having this conversation. You don't need to fear this conversation. You just need to go to the Bible for this conversation. So in Acts 2, why were they filled to be able to speak those languages, to preach the message of Jesus? But here's the thing, everybody's confused. And everybody's like, how in the world are all these people speaking all these languages? And Peter stands up and preaches the first gospel message to the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. If you're there, say, I'm there. Here's what the word of God says. Then Peter stood up with the eleven Raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. (laughs) I love how real the Bible is. You just can't throw that detail in there. So the people think, oh, they're all, they've all been drinking, and they're all just shouting random things. And Peter's like, no, 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 they're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. That's not possible. Stay with me, guys. He's going, I'm going to tell you what's really happening in this moment. Verse 16. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke." The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Luke writes to a predominantly Jewish audience and his purpose is to connect the redemptive story of the Old Testament to the New Testament story of who Jesus is. And so when you read Luke and Acts, you're gonna see all kinds of different references to Old Testament truth. But here's what Peter's doing. Peter's standing up in Jerusalem in the middle of a Jewish festival and he's going, no, no, no. This is not a crazy group of people just shouting out random stuff. This is the culmination of the prophecy written by Joel in Joel chapter two where Joel prophesied that in the last days God's gonna pour out his spirit on all people. So in the Old Testament, you have moments where the Holy Spirit fills someone for a moment and comes upon someone. That's the language that's used more often. But now Joel is prophesying a future day where the spirit is going to fill up people. And verse 21 culminates it. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's crazy when you read the Old Testament. Because God is seen as a God of this one people group, the Jewish people, blessing them or cursing them depending on how things have gone recently and over and over again, they have this up and down cycle of obedience and disobedience. But Joel prophesies about a day where anyone and everyone, black, white, from far away or from close by, whatever your economic background, whatever your story is, whatever your sin struggle is, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter is connecting the prophecy of Joel into the current moment. He's like, guys, remember Jesus of Nazareth? Remember that man who had that large following and all of these people seeing these miracles who was actually put to death by evil men? And some of you, I'm sure that some of the people who cried out for Jesus' life to be taken were present in this moment. He's like, remember him? God allowed that to happen. Didn't just allow it to happen. Had the foreknowledge to plan for it. Some of you who are in the most brutal agony and pain that you've ever gone through in your entire life, you need to know the sovereignty of God is not disconnected from your moment right now. The plan and foreknowledge of God can be over even the most difficult and desperate of situations, even his own son being crucified and dying naked in front of everyone. God planned for this. His plan was to put him to death but not leave him there. He was never going to be held in the grave. Now, what Peter's gonna do is he's actually gonna bring up a few more passages from the Old Testament from the book of Psalms. You can check those out if you got more time this week, but I wanna jump straight to verse 36 and give you his conclusion to what has happened because Jesus came back from the dead. Verse 26, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. ACC, this is the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. This is the first gospel proclamation post the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Peter tells these people, he says, Listen, that Jesus who had that following, the Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Messiah. And the shock and conviction that hit this group of people results in them crying out, What shall we do? They're convicted, but they don't know what their next step is. Now, so many times when you and I read the Bible, we read into a narrative our own interpretation of it, or we read into it our own previous knowledge, and we're like, you need to be baptized and be a Christian. Follow the narrative. Peter's telling them, that man who you thought was an imposter, the man who you put to death, is actually God's son, and he came back from the dead. And so when people ask, what should we do? Just go there in your mind. What should be the answer to that? If I was reading my own narrative into it, I'm like, what should you do? You should run for your life. Like, you should beg because you killed God. Like, you guys rejected the God of the universe. He was the Messiah. He was here and he was open and he was loving and he was gentle and he was kind and you murdered him. And what is Peter's response when the people go, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. God is willing to forgive you, and he's not just willing to forgive you, he's willing to fill you with his Holy Spirit. I think some of you have become so numb to the grace of God. I think some of you have become so numb to the gospel. Even as I read it a few minutes ago, I can sense that there's so many of you who know this story in your head, but it's not igniting a fire in your heart. And I just hope that there's a fresh wind and a fresh fire that comes over you today as you see this gospel proclamation going out and you see the purpose of your life coming into line with this moment. So here was my goal today. My goal in finishing this series was to make sure that every single Christian at Auburn Community Church, every single man, woman, boy, or girl who is in Christ would know Beyond the shadow of a doubt, that the Holy Spirit is filling them. So I don't know if you saw that, but Peter says, You need to repent, which means to turn from your sin. It means to have sorrow in the way you were going and turn and be resolute about a different path. Be baptized. In this context, that meant being dunked underwater, which is why we dunk people fully underwater. And I can't wait. 54 times next week, y'all. It's just going to be Dunk Fest at Hamilton Road. But then he adds on, And you will receive the Holy Spirit, you will not go away and maybe hope that your conversion was legitimate and you'll receive the Holy Spirit, but you, you will receive the Holy Spirit. I think there's people at ACC who believe theoretically in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I want to finish this series and have you know that you know that you know that the resurrection power of Jesus lives on the inside of your body. Like that you walk around with the mind of Christ on the inside of you. You walk around with the life of Jesus who has brought you back from the dominion of darkness and you now have the capacity to spread hope and life and freedom and purpose every single space that you go for the rest of your life. And I know, even as I preach that right now, there's a group of you who don't believe me. Most of you don't believe me because of two different obstacles, and I just wanna preach straight to those obstacles from this passage. A lot of you don't believe me because of the first obstacle, it's a simple word, you can write this down, sin. You got a lot of sin in your life, and so you go, you can tell me all you want, Miles, that I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but here's what I know I have done in my life. I have filled my mind with these thoughts. I have filled my body with these drinks. I have filled my body with this food. I have done this. I have shot this. I have done all of this mess. There is no way I can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why I think this is the opening moment of the early church because God wanted to go ahead and put in front of our faces the worst of the worst of the worst sinners being forgiven. Let's start with the fact that the one preaching the message was the one who just a few weeks ago was denying Jesus the night before he died. Who does God appoint to preach the first gospel message in the church? Let me go with the guy who literally ran away and betrayed me the night before I died. God has new power to restore you. Oh, not just Peter preaching. Who is he preaching to? He's preaching to the people who killed Jesus. I don't know why that detail was just awakening me this week, but God begins with his own killers. He go, if you repent and be baptized, it's available for you. If you don't believe the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you because of your sin, I just want you to know you have company and I just want you to know God's not intimidated by that. The blood of Jesus is enough to forgive anyone and everyone from whatever mess you are sitting in today. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit despite your sin. That's the first obstacle. God, I'm I'm too bad of a sinner. No, God can overcome that. But the second obstacle is a little more interesting. The second obstacle, just take that word sin and we're gonna add a G. The second obstacle is sign or signs. And some of you don't believe you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you because you've never seen a mystical sign of his presence And so you assume, well, if the Holy Spirit does this in this book and does miracles through other people, he's never done that through me, and so he must not actually be real on the inside of my life. And this is where I just want to give us a right interpretation of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 so that as we baptize people next week, you know exactly what we are proclaiming and also what we are not proclaiming. You do not need to show a sign and wonder of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is Peter's message? Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's some bad theology that's been taught for a long time where people read Acts chapter 2 and they read the story of Pentecost and they go, listen, the believers, they were all in a room praying. And then the Holy Spirit came with a mighty rushing wind and with tongues of fire. And so we need to go into a room and pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us with tongues of fire. Let me just say this. That's a fast and loose and incorrect interpretation of the scripture. You have to be careful when you're reading the Bible to make sure you read yourself into the right place. For example, when you read the Old Testament of the Bible, some of us have a tendency to read ourselves into the story as all the heroes of the Old Testament instead of read Jesus in the story as the hero of the Old Testament and us as the scared, sinful people who are running for our lives all the time. So you read about David and Goliath, and you're like, yes, I am David. I am ready to take on Goliath. And I'm like, I'm not David. I'm the Israelites who are hiding behind the mountain over there. Jesus is David who took on Satan and sin and death, and he's the one who came back from the grave holding the keys of death, just like David came back with Goliath's head going, I won. Jesus, you won. And I'm the group of people who are scared, running for my life, and just desperate, okay? you got to read yourself into the right point of Scripture. You are not one of the disciples or apostles who received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. You're like, I'm not? No, you weren't there. This is a very significant moment in the history of the church. And so what God does in this moment for the purpose of the gospel being preached is fill believers with the supernatural ability to speak languages they couldn't speak. Who are we in the story of Acts chapter one and two? We're the crowd who has sinned. And we're receiving the gospel message from Peter. So we don't go into a room and wait for the Holy Spirit to do something supernatural to believe that he's inside of us. We repent of our sins. We are baptized in the name of Jesus. And we receive the Holy Spirit by grace through faith. And then after that, the Holy Spirit has the capacity to gift you in all kind of different ways. Sometimes that gift looks like healing. Sometimes that gift looks like preaching. Sometimes that gift looks like generosity. Sometimes it looks like hospitality. You can go into First and Second Corinthians and read about a lot of different gifts that God gives. Sometimes God gives you the gift to speak a supernatural language in a moment, but we don't make the presence of the Holy Spirit conducive to whether or not we saw a sign. We believe by faith that the Holy Spirit fills us because that's where we fit into the story. We are the people who are cut to the heart. We're the people who are so aware of our sins because you know what? Those people physically nailed Jesus to a cross 2,000 years ago, but you know who nailed them there spiritually? Us. And so when that message drops into the truth of your life, I want you to know you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But if the Holy Spirit feels fleeting or far away to you, here's why. Because you're not preaching the gospel again. Maybe you heard it preached, or maybe you told somebody one time to come to church with you, but I believe the Holy Spirit is limited in power in the life of a believer when the the believer is not willing to unashamedly preach the gospel message of Jesus And when you start living your life with more intention and more purpose toward telling this story again and again and again, God will reignite in you a fire and God will gift you. God will gift you in ways you'll never expect. So many of you, you've never even thought about telling somebody about Jesus and that's why the Holy Spirit's never given you something supernatural. You've never walked into a grocery store and asked the Holy Spirit, hey, if you got somebody you want me to talk to, let me know. You've never walked into a conversation and assumed God might have something to say through you in that moment and been listening to the Holy Spirit and he'll surprise you with some of the stuff he brings to your mind in a moment. See, the gifts of the Holy Spirit fall in line with the purpose of illuminating the gospel. But if you never proclaim the gospel, don't be surprised if you never receive the gifts. And I've seen this, oh my gosh, I've seen this in such a fresh way this week. So we're uh, doing a lot of filming of different stories for the people who are getting baptized next week. And it's been so humbling for me because we've, gosh, what are are we coming up on? Like seven months of doing online gatherings like this every single Sunday. And I'm hearing stories now of what God was doing all that time in moments where I couldn't see it and our team couldn't see it. And I'm just seeing how the gospel speaks in fresh ways through different people in different ways, illuminating the same name every single time. So in one sense, the gospel message is a message of freedom where somebody can come to Jesus and lay down every single addiction and sin and snare and let Jesus walk faithfully on the inside of them by the power of the Holy Spirit for the rest of their life. But for other people, Jesus met them in the middle of anxiety and depression and wanting to end their life. And for other people, Jesus met them in the middle of their lukewarm cultural Christianity, not really caring about who Jesus was, and he ignited a fire and a passion to understand, no, this is about more than church attendance. This is about the. Fullness of worship. And then he met other people because he rescued them from toxic relationships. And he met other people because he got a hold of their sibling and their sibling preached the gospel to them. See, the gospel is multifaceted in the way it goes out, but I'm looking at story after story after story after story about what God's doing through ACC. And I'm going, this has to become wider than everybody get into a room or everybody tune in online. And let's listen to Miles. This has got to become us individually telling our stories of resurrection and watching the resurrection power fill us as we preach the gospel again and again and again and again. And here's how you start. Here's how you start. You start by preaching it to yourself. I was telling the small group in here before we started filming, I was like, you should take a minute and preach the gospel to yourself today. And if that sounds weird and you're like, you want me to talk to myself? No, you already do. You just tell yourself self-destructive things all day long. You might as well replace that with a life-giving message that God calls you pure and blameless in the sight of God. God calls you son. God calls you daughter. God has ignited you for a purpose. God has a hope and a future for you. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You are going to heaven forever. Jesus did die. Jesus is still risen. Jesus is getting glory. Jesus does win. Maybe you should say it out loud. And remind yourself of the story that you exist in. Because here's the thing, the gospel is not real through me until the gospel becomes real to me. And so today, I was on my way to preach this message and I was like, I've forgotten that I'm in the family of God. And out loud had to go, Miles, you're st- still a priest in God's house, you're still God's son, you're still saved, you're still in the family, and there's something powerful about proclaiming it, and there's something powerful about praising in light of it, but then let the gospel get through you in all kinds of different ways. I'm not saying you need to grab a microphone and get on a stage and proclaim it. For some of you, that is your individual calling, but for 99.9% of you who are hearing this message, it's going to become the center of your purpose in life in a million different ways in the family that you're a part of, in the job that you have right now, in everything that you are headed toward in the future is the purpose of it all, to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. And we're in, we're in such a pivotal moment for ACC right now because I truly believe next week, Baptism Sunday, and then the following week, reopening this building, in a very real way, we're sort of turning the page On this chapter of COVID online only and heading into this weird new chapter of like a lot of people watching online, but some people back in person and watch parties still happening and we're actually looking to spread out those watch parties to different locations. So like if, for example, if you live at Lake Martin, we're starting a group, or actually we already have a group, but we're opening it up to more people to where if you're at Lake Martin on a Sunday, you're gonna be able to attend Auburn Community Church and lift up the name of Jesus with people there because our church is taking on new forms and getting wider and wider and wider but I believe the central focus of it cannot be let's watch somebody else do the work spiritually the focus has to be individuals in their sphere of life preaching the gospel to themselves and to everybody else and you know what happens when you do that you know what happens when you get set on fire with that kind of power of the Holy Spirit we start seeing the vision that was planted at the beginning of this church come true Every single time I've ever been asked, is there a passage of scripture that's a picture of what you see at Auburn Community Church? I have read Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, and they're the very next verses that we're about to look at in the Bible. I have have read this so many times since the beginning of our church that every time I read it, I'm like, these people gotta be getting tired of me talking about Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. But the reason why I set this whole sermon up with that whole story before is you have to see what the foundation is. The foundation is the gospel message of Jesus being preached, people believing and being baptized and set on fire for the glory of God. Now, watch this. This is the church that is the result of this. And I promise I'm almost done. Team, you can go ahead and come up here. I just want to read this passage of scripture and then go off about what God is doing in the life of our church. Here's what it says. 3,000 people get saved. What do they do next? There's about 3,000, maybe a little more, people who call this church home. So I don't think that that's an accident. It's kind of ironic. Watch this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's our early church. That's powerful. And I've read that passage so many times going, I'm believing this over Auburn Community Church. And there's so many different dynamics to this. Yes, they're they're eating together and they're teaching and there's fellowship and there's music and there's miracles and there's generosity. But over and over and over again, that section of verses repeats the word together. That the Holy Spirit didn't just gift everybody individually to preach a message. The Holy Spirit bonded them as one unit together. For over six years now, I've seen that happen here. But I believe that as we turn the page into a new chapter and a new era, God is ready to do that six times, seven times over anything he's done in the past. And I don't say that lightly. I say that because I've prayed. I say, that, I say that because our elders have prayed. And I believe that it's time For members of Auburn Community Church to become the conduits of the Holy Spirit God is dreaming they would be from the beginning of their salvation. You do have the Spirit of God. You don't have to wait for fire to fall from heaven. You don't have to wait till all your sin problems go away. It's today. It's this moment right now. And if we get a group of people that set on mission and a group of people who love one another and the outsider that much, we could see... It's funny because when I think about it I feel like I'm going to scare you if I tell you what I think and so I'll just stick to what the scripture says we could see God be faithful to do what he's always done miracles that can't be explained and people reached who never thought reachable just a few chapters later the apostle Paul is going to get saved through this group of people Well, just a couple chapters later, he's gonna be killing one of their own people. Yeah, 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 but just keep reading, just keep reading, because when the gospel gets preached again and again and again, second chances become third chances for the leaders of the next generation. God put us in Auburn, Alabama, to be a beacon of light for the next generation to rise up for the glory of God. Young people and old, I want you to hear this. You have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that older people in our church are gonna dream again. They're gonna come up with ideas in their businesses. They're gonna come up with new things that are not created just to accumulate wealth. They're created to spread the kingdom of God all over the world. I wanna speak a word over the moms in this church who are who are slowly starting to doubt whether or not their kids are truly going to understand the gospel. Your kids are going to see that day and God's gonna be faithful to bring that to fruition because the Holy Spirit's gonna move in and through your life as you preach the gospel to yourself and your kids again and again and again. And I believe there's gonna be a generation of college students, of high school students, of middle school students, and little children who are gonna grow up not believing that church is a one-stop shop on Sundays, but church is who we are because we are a church without walls and we're gonna be the church every day from here. Would you stand up right where you are? I wanna pray over a standing church right now. I feel like this is such a pivotal moment rest of the band, y'all go ahead and come up here. Would you bow your head? Heavenly Father, help us be a church who believes the truth about what you say. Help us be a church loaded with people who are confident that we've been filled by the Holy Spirit. And God, help us be faithful to preach the gospel every way possible for the rest of our lives. In this moment, if there's anybody listening to the sound of my voice who has never said yes, repented of their sin and been baptized and knows that they've been forgiven by you, I pray that they would know baptism is not being dunked underwater. Baptism is being connected to Jesus. God, would they call out to you right now and be connected to your family and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. God, for those of us who have called out to you, I pray for a power to fill our lives unlike any other season in the past. I pray that as you set us up for this baptism weekend and coming back together in the same building, God, would you go before us? Would you pave the way with unashamed Christians who just wanna talk about the goodness of God and the glory of Jesus? God, we're gonna lift up this song right now and the heartbeat of this song is just the gospel. I pray that as we preach the gospel through music, that you would fulfill every word that has been preached in these moments, and that as this song gets lifted up to heaven, it would be more than a song. It would be our song and our anthem moving forward because Jesus, you alone are worthy. You are king. You are the Lord. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen.